when you just say you could just take orange juice and add a fuckload of sugar to it and just have Sunny D, that is spoken like a man who was just jealous he didn't have Sunny D in his house growing up as a child. Yeah, all he had, all he had was OJ or the purple stuff. It's just he never had Sunny D. Sugar. You know the commercial? It, it was Steve's fridge was just OJ purple stuff. I guess that's it. That's all we got to drink here. As as I pick pulp out of my teeth, I'm like, it's just it's better for you. It's just guys, you don't I understand. Know. I know normally you don't understand. Welcome back to the tri- uh, Trilateral Troika. This is Steve, along with the other Steve. I thought I was having a stroke. <laughs> <laughs> and Ryan. So similar to, to Orangina, it's uh, Sunny D and vodka. <laughs> like the seltzers. They make, they make those? Dude, I think you... Are it's you the good. first person? Did, 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 did the gas station attendant just go, excellent <laughs> choice, sir. <laughs> well done, sir. It was actually the the uh, cashier at ABC. <laughs> yeah, cashier at ABC, a fine vintage. Well, he was scanning all my stuff, like actual like real beverages, like real beers. And then he got to the Sunny D and vodka, and he looked at it for a second, and he looked at me, and he looked back down at it. He should have looked at him. put it to the side. You should have looked at him and been like, I have a cat. <laughs> what? You know, you know, you can just take orange juice and vodka and then like a bag full of sugar and just pour it in there and then you'll get Sunny D. One of these fucking guys, you know? That's like my wife. I started buying, uh, what's it called? Liquid Death, the lime one, because yeah, it's yeah. so good. And uh, she's like, you, sh- you can just get seltzer water and put lime in it. And I'm like, yeah, I could. Or I could buy Monster, whatever this is, Liquid Death. When you just say you could just take orange juice and add a fuckload of sugar to it and just have Sunny D, that is spoken like a man who was just jealous he didn't have Sunny D in his house growing up as a child. Yeah, all he had, all he had was OJ or the purple stuff. It's just he never had Sunny D. You know the commercial? It it was Steve's fridge was just OJ purple stuff. I guess that's it. That's all we got to drink here. As as I pick pulp out of my teeth, I'm like, it's just, it's better for you. It's just better. You don't understand. I know normally. You don't understand. Right behind the purple stuff, it's Sunny D, but, you know, in this house, we're healthy. You know, purple's a fruit. Purple is 100% a fruit. Purple is a flavor. Purple is a feeling. (laughs) Can I borrow a feeling? I really want it. We got to do an episode on where they got the the history behind the grape flavoring because it does not taste like grape at all. Like, it's an inter- it's very else. interesting. Like um, imitation grape is actually one of the most difficult things to make. Like there's no grape ice cream. And it, yeah, and it's such a wide yeah. like it, it well, differs because like grape Dimatap tastes different than like grape I love popsicles. grape Dimatap. <laughs> oh, takes me back. Takes Robo tripping on a cold. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I like mom, I don't feel good. Well, do you feel high now? Yeah, I do. All right. Why are you goosing well, around the house? There, <laughs> there, there's like a quasi urban legend about how Ben and Jerry's did like perfect a grape ice cream, but they, but they didn't like go through with it because like the person, one of the people that they had like try it out, like their dog got into it and it killed the dog or something like that. Yeah, cause because. Grape's really dangerous for dogs. 
Yeah, it's I, like I, poison for dogs. I just heard Panera's CEO's ears just perk up when he said grape something <laughs> oh, killed somebody. Oh, he said, oh, grape-flavored lemonade coming not at only, you next. Not only can we kill our customers, we can kill the dogs they bring? Nice. <laughs> no, that's, that's, too, that's too soon for, for Panera. I mean, honestly, you could just give them the lemonade, right? <laughs> Here's the thing. There's two Paneras in Gainesville that I know of, and I've been to both of them, and I've seen the charged lemonade, and I got it. And... It just tastes like syrupy fucking lemonade. It's disgusting and gives you power, power, power palpitations, right? So I don't know how this dude drank like three of them or whatever. But the thing that I want to like be very clear about is that the cashier was like, hey, there is a ton of caffeine in that. Be careful. And I was like, of course, I've heard blah, 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 blah. But like they tell you, they tell you straight up, yo, there's a ton of caffeine in there. Well, legally now, they're, they're, they're court required to tell you now. <laughs> Um, yeah, are Judge, you serious? Judge Joe Brown laid <laughs> the hammer down so, on but, that. But but I'm guessing legally speaking that they decided like yeah we need Judge to Judge Wapner about came this. out of retirement to make a ruling on that shit. Well, Pierre's CEO doubled down. I thought I thought he was like well you're a fucking pussy if you die from it or, or something like I thought he you said know that's funny because if Panera's CEO said that then that's that's the exact opposite vibe I get when I walk into a Panera bread I'm not expecting <laughs> yeah. like I'm not expecting like the Guy Fieri but like without the joke yeah, mindset I'm, I'm, not, you know? I'm not expecting like the barstool sports like yeah. guys to be there <laughs> yeah. behind the desk fucking Portnoy's <laughs> just there what do you mean you can't have 320 milligrams of caffeine you're fucking mid puss Oh my god! A, uh, a single serving of the lemonade in, in one of their glasses, which I think is twenty six ounces, is the equivalent of uh, about a monster and a half. Mm-hmm. It's not that bad. Or actually, no, it's it's not, it's it's two and a half monsters. Oh, that's bad. Because because each monster is like thirty uh, thirteen ounces. Yeah. So you double it up, and then it has about one point five percent the same amount of caffeine. Um. So yeah, it comes out to about like two point five or, or or something like that. I did the math and it it's ridiculous. It's insane. Wow. All right. So speaking, speaking of insane lemonade. poison <laughs> lemonade, which barren of uh, industry are we talking about this week? <laughs> Today, boys, we're going to be talking about the abduction of one Travis Walton. Oh shit! Fire in the sky. Let's go. Yes. Sam Walton's second cousin. A, a movie that traumatized many a child. It did. It was fucking rough, especially when he was getting when he was on the ship. Oh, we oh about yeah. Travis Walton, the actor. No. Who the hell's oh, that? I think you're thinking of somebody else. Yeah, okay. I don't know who you're talking about. Who's Travis? Do you Walton, mean like actor? Travis Warburton or? There's an actor. His name is Travis Walton. Oh, I don't know who that is. What was he in like the Ghostbusters Six? Yeah, <laughs> I there was a guy in my high school who was like deathly afraid of, of fire in the sky yeah, of of ghosts too, but um, a fire in the sky, and that like if you put it on, apparently he would like flip out like to the point of like this this guy is like scared to death of this movie. That's crazy. What? I saw a kid pass out when we were watching like some communist purge video in a history class I had. And uh, he can't stand the sight of blood. <laughs> oh, okay. And he, like, had that, like, asphyxiation kind of thing where he, like, fell out of his desk and started having a seizure. We were like, mm-hmm. holy shit. Like, it was that kind of nuts. stuff was overblown. 
until I met people who were like, hey, I, I can't see blood or I'll pass out. I've never like, seen it before. Right, we'll just I've never your seen IV. it. You'll be fine. Don't look at it. And yeah. I'll see you out of the corner of my eye. Like, they'll be laying in the hospital bed, but they'll look at it. And you can just see him just kind of like shake a little bit. Go white. And just get real cold and white and just, <sighs> and just hit yeah. the bed. And it's like, holy shit. <laughs> Man, that's fucking wacky. But yeah, that's nuts. So anyway, we're talking about Sam Walton, the owner of Walmart, right? No, this is yes. Travis. This is his second cousin. He uh, he owns the Dollar Generals. <laughs> <laughs> he is the Dollar General. Yeah. <laughs> they gave him an honorary rank in the U.S. Air Force. He comes into all the stores, you know, in his uh, dress like Patton at the beginning of Patton. <laughs> um, <laughs> the riding outfit. Yeah. It's all right. Um, Dollar General flag. So what happened to Travi boy? So Travis Walton was born around 1953. Um, I didn't find an exact date for when he was born. Um, and uh, it seemed that he was in a, a single parent household kind of um, to his, to his uh, mother, uh, uh, Mary Walton, who would uh, later be Mary Walton uh, Kellogg. Um, Travis would admit uh, later on that he experimented in the past with marijuana stimulants and LSD um, during what he described as his early wild years. Yeah, only one of those is really going to make you see aliens, though. Huh. Yeah. Well, I mean, both uh, two of those probably would, you know, because if you're up for, like, 48 hours straight on stimulants, like, you're going to see some shit. Oh, yeah. You possibly could. I don't think visual things are as bad. LSD is 100% guaranteed. If you mix any of those things with LSD... You're asking for it because there's yeah, nothing like when you you do LSD and you just see puff, pink puffy you know dinosaurs, but then you do amphetamines and now you see fast pink puffy dinosaurs. That's much scarier. The you will absolutely have visual hallucinations if you're up for let's just say 48 hours and also yeah. amphetamines. Um, there's a really famous case of two kids out west somewhere who died because they got lost in their car and like stuck in a snowdrift and they were on uh, meth. No acid, just meth and they started hallucinating that people were around them so they like started running off. Well, yeah, meth is completely different, yeah. Right, well, meth is an amphetamine, like methamphetamine, so you know, you will hallucinate, it's just acid God, Lord, I can't imagine like two days Yeah, but meth is, meth's not the same as like taking a grainy or something It's it's a similar thing yeah. But meth, meth does much more to your body than just I, keep you up. I'm I'm going to go out on a limb, and I'm gonna just going to say in Minecraft that Travis Walton probably did, you know, something stronger than a greenie. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> um, on May 5th, 1971, Travis Walton, an associate of his, Carl Rogers, pleaded guilty to breaking into the offices of the Western Molding Company, where they stole company checks, uh, which they then forged. Yeah, and he was cashed. definitely doing meth. <laughs> um, they were placed for two years, um, and they were allowed to plead not guilty um, after that fact in Quenza Records. Huh. They also, listen, if he's doing meth, he didn't just steal company checks. He was absolutely in there ripping the copper wiring out of the, <laughs> out of the walls. walls yeah. If you're driving 98, Sun 5, probably good. Yeah. <laughs> and where, where, where in the country is this? Uh, this is in uh, Arizona. 100 percent. He's cutting yeah. the catalytic converters off the cars in the parking lot too. <laughs> this man has a license plate that says Copper Bandit. C P R B N D T. In the spring of 1972, 
the National Enquirer, um, they began advertising a $50,000 prize for proof of extraterrestrial visitors. Um, by 1975, they would raise this prize to $100,000. Um, so in 1975, uh, Travis, who is then 22 years old, was a member of a seven-person logging crew led by uh, an older brother of the previously mentioned associate, Carl, um, named Michael H. Rogers, who was 28 at the time. Hmm. Um, prior to that, in 1974, uh, Rogers uh, had won a bid for a federal contract to thin out small trees from an area known as Turkey Springs in the Apache uh, Sitgreaves National Forest when he underbid two other contractors. Already starting out like a scumbag. Um, the job called for the thinning of uh, 1,277 acres by August of 1975. Um, Rogers would request and be granted an extension that would give them until November 10th. On October 16th, a Forestry Service inspector visited the site and concluded the job could not possibly be completed by the deadline. Um, their failure to complete the job would lead to a uh, $2,500 uh, penalty and a disqualification from bidding on future Forestry Service contracts. No more trees for you guys. You're too slow. That's it. We need we need real tree trimmers here. Some real hitters. Why don't you look? I know you have a problem. But why don't you do some of those methamphetamines? Speed you up. I'm just surprised they didn't go out there and try to hire beavers. Throw little, little hard hats on the little beavers. That sounds like a character you should work in your D&D game. A meth lumberjack. <laughs> you know? Clear cuts a whole forest in an afternoon. <laughs> What's next, boys? France can do. <laughs> oh. On October 20th, Rogers wrote to his forestry service contracting officer... I cannot honestly say whether or not we will finish on time. However, we are working every day with as much manpower as I can hire. I will not stop work until the job is finished or until I am asked to stop. I have had considerable trouble keeping a full crew on the job. The area is very thick and the guys have poor morale because of this. We will keep working and trying hard. So basically, what is he doing? He's in this He's in this national forest... And he's doing what out there? Well, they're they're they've been contracted to cut down trees in the area. Okay. Um, and that they're they're having trouble meeting the deadline to cut down the trees because he he outbid other people to get the contract, and now he has trouble finishing the contract. Gotcha. Because he's got no 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 goddamn money. Cause they didn't pay him enough. Well, yes, to a degree. Right. Okay. Um, and, and it's also his own doing because, you know, he, he bid for that situation. Mm-hmm. Um, on that same day in 1975, um, NBC um, aired a primetime special, The UFO Incident, which was a made-for-TV movie about an alleged alien abduction. Uh, the film starred James Earl Jones as Barney Hill. Um, and it was um, it depicted him undergoing a hypnosis session with a psychiatrist in 1964, um, which was based on the actual um, experiences of Barney Hill. Is this the same James Earl Jones, Darth Vader, James Earl Jones? Yes. Oh, sick. Okay. F- Field of Dreams, James Earl Jones. Now I gotta go watch this. What's it called? 
Um, it's called the UFO incident. The UFO incident. I gotta go look this up now. You're telling me James Earl Jones is narrating it? Well, no, he's he's like he's playing Barney Hill in it. God damn it! I love James Earl Jones. I, when you first started talking about this, I thought you said Benny Hill for some reason, and yeah. all I could think of was James Earl Jones running around being chased by aliens. With that playing in the background, just being chased by aliens. So good. The the film aired two weeks before the the incident we'll be talking about. Um, which prompts suggestions that the film inspired um, both Rogers and Walton uh, to concoct their own alleged abduction story. Um, Psychologists and skeptics would argue, after viewing this movie, any person with a little imagination can now become an instant celebrity by claiming an abduction, concluding that one of those instant celebrities was Travis Walton. According to a researcher, Philip J. Klass, Uh, a uh, well-noted ufology expert. Um, Shortly before his experience, uh, Travis told his mother not to worry if he were abducted by aliens because he would return safe and sound soon afterwards. I like how he knows this. Like, nah, I'll be back. Don't worry about it. He's like, don't don't worry, Mom. They ain't gonna get me. Nah. I'm gonna be back. I'm such a fucking idiot. They're just gonna throw me back and be like, nah, we can do better. (laughs) We need intelligent life, Quasnot. I know, but this is all I could get. On November 5th, 1975. It's like a Republican <laughs> joke that they make about liberals, you know, something like that. Oh, I told you I need a smart one, not a liberal. <laughs> it's the alien equivalent of going fishing and pulling up a fish that's not big enough to keep. Yeah. Yeah. Next time, picture. let's not get a woke one. <laughs> you yeah. just kind of like take yeah, the picture the and then throw back. Fish. <laughs> that woke fish just never, never ate foie gras its whole life. Doesn't need meat. On November 5th, 1975, the uh, chief of the logging crew, Michael H. Rogers, reported Travis Walton missing to the Navajo County Sheriff. Six members of the logging crew claimed they were driving down a forest road when they saw a lighted object above the ground near the roadway. They reported that Walton got out of the truck and ran towards the object, which shone a light on him. They said they drove away in fear, only to return 15 minutes later to find both Walton and the light missing. Oh, they left their boy. This guy jumped out of the truck and they left their boy to come back 15 minutes later. Oof, that's very cowardly. Well, you know, he he ran towards it. So it's just like, it's like, they're just like, yeah, he wanted to kill himself, but we're not going to say anything so his family can get the life insurance. Yeah, but like, you know, you don't have to chase after him, but you don't have to drive away for 15 minutes. At 7.45 p.m., a member of the logging crew called Officer Elsie Ellison, um, uh, Ellison, uh, who was under uh, Sheriff uh, Marlon Gillespie and Deputy Kenneth, and, uh, Kenneth Copeland, um, all drove to uh, uh, Heber to meet the loggers. Uh, Rogers and two crew members agreed to return to Turkey Springs with the three officers, while the three other crew members refused to return and instead drove home in Rogers' vehicle. The five men searched Turkey Springs until shortly after midnight, when Sheriff Gillespie paused um, paused the search until the morning. Around 1.30 a.m., Navajo County, Sheriff, uh, County Deputy Sheriff Kenneth Copeland and Rogers visited Walton's mother. Kenneth Copeland. 
Isn't, there, just prayed about isn't it. that the fucking uh, evangelical guy? Yeah, you should have just prayed yeah. about it. COVID nineteen. <laughs> he just he just went in there and he, he just smacked the mother on the top of her head and then Travis was back instantly. He was just in a movie, uh, some wacky ass movie that came out. One of those like Christian things. What the fuck was it? Uh, according to Copeland, when he informed her of of the disappearance, she said, "Well, that's the way these things happen." Uh, <laughs> Copeland said he was shocked by how calmly she took the news and her general lack of surprise. Somebody's uh, been well, feeding Travis his uh, his lines that he just. Uh, from probably from the time he was a kid. Like, is she like a, an art bellite at this point? <laughs> had to be. She had to be, well, right? Like, she's yeah, like, she's like, be. I've been reading the Weekly World News for weeks. This is nothing. I'm surprised well, it will, took him this long to get abducted. I, I will note that the Walton family was very big into UFOs, which will come up. Ah, uh, there you go. He's been seeing uh, it his because, whole life. He has the LSD. He trips on it. Fire in the sky. <laughs> because as it was described, uh, uh, Travis, as well as his older brother, Dwayne, and his mother were described by the sheriff as, quote-unquote, longtime students of UFOs. Um, due to the fact that uh, Travis's mother lived in a ranch house without telephone service, uh, Rogers drove her into town so she could call Travis's brother, Dwayne, um, and their sister while Copeland followed. She lived in a ranch house without telephone service. Is this the 1800s? Like, what? 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 This is the 70s. Everybody has a phone in the 70s, I thought. Well, I, I guess if you're, you know... I don't know. I, I don't want to say if you're poor, but I, I, I imagine that there's some level of, like, not, not having, like, telephone service when you live out in the middle of nowhere. Okay. All right. That's true. You get out far enough. She, she um, just got on the internet and filed a missing report like that and contacted all her family, just sent them a direct message on AIM. Yeah. What she could have done. She should have, put, uh, should have put her telephone receiver down on her BOD modem and, you know, got on, <laughs> got on a Usenet group. <laughs> one BOD modem. Just because she doesn't have a phone doesn't mean that she can't email somebody, okay? Uh, around 3 a.m., uh, uh, Walton's mother uh, called uh, her daughter um, and... Uh, uh, waking her, um, and Deputy Copeland was again shocked at uh, how well Travis's family was taking the news. On the following day, November 7th, a search party of nearly 50 people uh, scoured the Turkey Springs area, uh, but failed to find Travis or any signs of the altercation. Uh, law enforcement were surprised when, after a few hours, Travis's mother told them, I don't think there's any use of looking any further He's not around here. I don't think he's on this earth. Boy, that sounds like she killed him. Well, he's alive, so. I'm just saying, like, the way she says that kind of cryptic yeah, shit kinda... sounds like she murdered him. And yeah, she's, it's like, out there. she's kind of uh, got a little bit of mental problems that we might not know about. <laughs> um, Sheriff uh, Gillespie then dismissed the volunteers. Um, however, the following morning on November 8th, Rogers and uh, Dwayne Walton... Uh, complain in person about the discontinued search. So two reasonable people who are like, what are you listening to that crazy bitch for? Please get out there and look. <laughs> um, <laughs> as a result, uh, Sheriff Gillespie uh, would assemble a, a new search party, uh, which would include a helicopter. And you know he's pissed off. He's like, God damn it, starting the search, stopping the search, starting the search. <laughs> uh, 
Regional papers would cover the story on November 8th, and that day, a member of the Phoenix-based UFO interest group recorded a 65-minute interview with the logging crew uh, member, uh, the chief, uh, Mike Rogers, and Travis's older brother, Dwayne Walton. Um, at Dwayne no point the during Rock the- Rogers. Yeah. <laughs> at no point during the interview did either express any fear or concern for Travis. Rather, they expressed confidence that Travis would be returned. Uh, during this interview, Rogers discussed the logging contract, saying, This contract we have is seriously behind schedule. In fact, Monday, the time is up. We haven't done any work on it since Wednesday because of this thing, and therefore it won't be done. I hope they take that into account. Uh, forestry contracts included an act of God clause that excused contractors who were delinquent due to unforeseeable circumstances. Um, I guess such as alien abduction. God. Huh. Huh. Interesting. Um, during uh, during this interview, uh, Dwayne real, uh, revealed that he and Travis and their mother were UFO buffs who had previously discussed that if they were ever um, if they ever saw a UFO, they would uh, quote unquote immediately get directly under the object because of the quote unquote opportunity to go aboard the UFO would be quote unquote too great to pass up. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, they're not wrong. Uh, Dwayne repeatedly insisted that Travis was uh, not even missing. He knows where he's at, and I know where he's at. Wait, what? I thought, wait. All right, hold on. Wasn't (laughs) Dwayne, wait, listen, wasn't Dwayne one of the people who was mad that the search got called off? Well, well, yeah, but he also thinks like, yeah, my brother's with the aliens. So why would he be mad about them stopping the search? Well, I guess he doesn't know when they're going to drop him off. Okay. Right. I'm I'm just thinking of that SNL bit with Kate McKinnon where she, she just talks about how like the aliens were just like probing her and just left her pantsless on top of like an IHOP. <laughs> where all the other abductees are talking about like it's a religious experience. She's just like it's like, yeah, they, they like molested me and then <laughs> dropped me off <laughs> on top of a waffle house. <laughs> Smothered and covered for real, <laughs> brother. Well, then, I'm well, not then gonna <laughs> name this episode "Smothered and Covered." The Travis Walton story. <laughs> Smothered and covered on top of a Waffle House. The Travis Walton story. <laughs> well, I mean, in that one fire in the race. guy. The Travis Walton story. <laughs> you just say fire in the guy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's still active, so you might want to be careful. <laughs> ah, I'll be all right. We're just funning. You can't. You can't be. You can't be sued for funning. Hey, he's got to prove that it didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um. During the interview, uh, Dwayne revealed that he, Travis, and their mother are. are I had already discussed that. Um. On November 9th, law enforcement continued the search for Travis um, until the late afternoon, when Walton's mother began uh, began requesting the search be halted. On November 10th, stories of Travis's disappearance were being published throughout the U.S., the, uh, the United Kingdom, and Canada. On November 11th, the press reported that uh, Travis's mother felt any further searching for Travis would be useless. Um, it was also on that date, on November 11th, that uh, Rogers and five other members of the logging crew were interrogated by the Arizona Department of Public Safety. Um, the uh, logging the crew. Part- it sounds like a the, 
like a hip hop group from like the early eighties. <laughs> Uh, through the polygraph examiner from Vancouver, uh, the logging C. Group. Gilson, uh, to determine uh, to determine if they had actually murdered Travis Walton. Um, all denied that they. Them. Um, all of them denied that they had harmed Travis. Uh, Gilson uh, would opine that all five uh, five out of six of the men were being truthful and described results for the sixth man, uh, one Alan Dallas, as inconclusive. <laughs> Alan Dulles? I uh, know. Dulles. D A L I S. Okay. Uh, it sounded like you said Alan. It sounded very much like you said Alan Dulles. Your fucking, your goddamn Yinzer fucking vocabulary came out on that word. I'm not surprised Alan Dulles' polygraph test would be inconclusive. Doesn't surprise me one fucking bit. And his name was Alan Dulles. Goddamn. Ghost Dulles. <laughs> you know, that Mason Rudolph, he can throw a football, I tell you what. He also said the N-word to, uh, what's his name, Miles Garrett. You know, he, he yeah. supports the real president, you know who I'm talking There's about. There's a man who says the N-word to a six-foot-seven man, yeah. <laughs> Tough. Tough. They don't make him like him no more. Tough. You got balls, you understand what I'm saying, kid? He's got, got balls big down old wevels. <laughs> Um, on November 12th, shortly after midnight, um, uh, Travis would place a quick call to his sister's home from a payphone in, in Heber, Arizona. Wait, where did he come from? He just, well, wait, wait, he just, oh, he just, okay. Wait, where wait, did he go? go? Where did he come so from, we'll, Cotton we'll, Joe? <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get into the, the top, <laughs> we'll get to the, uh, the Cotton Eye, uh, bottom of this, boys. Just choked in my hydro flask. <laughs> um, when he called, he reached her husband, Wed Grant Neff, uh, who then drove to pick up uh, Dwayne and proceeded to Heber to pick up Travis. Uh, Neff later reported he initially thought the caller was intoxicated. Um, as part of the quick call procedure, Travis told the operator his name. Um, she recognized his name as part of the missing, uh, uh, as being a missing person and alerted uh, Sheriff Gillespie, who dispatched a deputy to the family ranch house. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, deputy Glenn Flake arrived at 2 a.m., where he witnessed Dwayne Walton transferring fuel from one car to another after having forgotten to purchase gas before at, uh, before the local stations had closed. What a fucking... <laughs> oh, um, uh, uh... Flake did not reveal that he knew Travis had returned home, and Dwayne did not tell the deputy that Travis had been found. Um, seeking medical attention for Travis, Dwayne reached out to a UFO researcher who he'd met uh, in days prior. The researcher referred them to one Dr. Lester Stewart, a hypnotherapist. Okay. Dwayne uh, took Travis to meet with Stewart. Uh, but his first words were that Travis needed a medical examination with lab tests It was not ready for hypnotic regression. Which it should be noted that hypnotic regression is not a very... Uh, it's not uh, scientifically, accurate. Yeah, it's not, yeah, it's not accurate. It's very easily... Yeah, it's it's very pseudoscientific. Very... Uh, not, not very reliable. Also, a fucking sociopath could totally just make the whole thing up. I mean, like, you know. Yeah. Like, that. 
you could totally just pretend to be hypnotized. I, I, I'd never understood it. Like, I believe you can be, but it's weird. So I just want to just make sure I have this timeline of events. Uh, Travis just shows up and uses 1-800-CALL-ATT to place a collect call to his sister's home. Talks to the husband and says, hey, I'm here. The husband goes to get him, and instead of bringing this guy to the hospital, calls Dr. Nick Riviera to see, like, how he can fix this guy? Oh, boy, you got a lot of problems. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, that's that's where I'm at right now, right? Pretty much. But he, he's a UFO line, Dr. Nick Riviera. You're going to need extra florium. <laughs> and this is, like, a week after he disappeared. Okay, did they tell that the cops that they found him? Well, well, yeah, they they eventually do let the police know that that he's found. Okay, um, I'm I'm sure they're very quick about that too because they're all being suspected of murder. Okay. Um, so Stewart, when he actually uh, looks at him, um, he notes that uh, Travis seemed, uh, in his own words, very confused. Um, and also that he was reminiscent of drug addicts he'd treated. Um, he noted that uh, Travis had a small lesion on the inner crease of his right elbow, uh, consistent with uh, intravenous drug use. And after meeting with Stewart, uh, the Waltons returned uh, to Dwayne's home, uh, where UFO researchers arranged a house call by two medical doctors who were also amateur UFO investigators. Fucking amateurs. Um, they arrived at, at 3 o'clock p.m. Uh, Dwayne forbade them to use their uh, their cameras or tape recorders. The rock says um, no and, media. <laughs> and, and he would not allow them to ask Travis uh, questions about his experience. Okay. Uh, the doctor... What? Yeah, that they couldn't ask him about the, uh, the abduction. Oh, God. Um, and the doctors also noted that the uh, the apparent puncture mark um, on him that was mentioned previously that they estimated it to be around twenty four to forty eight hours old. And what? Okay, so all right, so then this is all right. What day is this? November what? This is November twelfth. So and this then is he got, he got abducted when? Uh, November fifth. Okay. So it's been roughly a week since he disappeared and then reappeared. Gotcha. But he's been home for a couple days at this point, correct? Um, this is like right after he gets home. Okay. Um, so this is probably around like eight days, I think, technically. Okay. Sorry, I'm like, I'm really dick tracing this right here because I'm like, all right, so the puncture mark is two days old and this happened a week earlier. <laughs> this dude's been shooting up since he's been home. Yeah. Red I bet herring. it was prune face. Wait. <laughs> this is a red herring. <laughs> I'm prune, Tracy. <laughs> I bet it was leper Al Pacino. <laughs> um, uh, starting that day, though, uh, stories of his return have begun to spread, and, and the press began calling uh, his older brother Dwayne's home, uh, attempting to reach him. Uh Dwayne would finally inform law enforcement of Travis's return, uh, calling Sheriff Gillespie, who insisted on seeing Travis immediately. Uh, the sheriff drove the, the four hours into Glendale and arrived at 11 p.m. Uh, Dwayne and Travis demanded that Sheriff Gillespie not record the interview. 
Why? Uh, because they don't want any any of this like written down for whatever reason. So that when they change your story later, it's harder to prove. Okay, heard. That's not it. what we said. That's not what we said. <laughs> In Minecraft. Okay. After a local UFO group uh, facilitated the connection, uh, Dwayne and Travis moved into a suite at the uh, Sheraton Inn in Scottsdale. Um, the costs for the uh, the hotel stay were covered by the National Enquirer in exchange for exclusive access to uh, to Travis and his story. The Sheraton Inn is like when you're too good for Motel Six, but you're not just you, you're just not middle class enough for the Marriott. He's not. He's not Four Seasons material. What's to say? What's to say? Travis doesn't have anything he would need to put in a safe that's in his hotel room. Travis. Travis would be stealing the complimentary shampoo conditioner from the Four Seasons. It's like, sir, it's complimentary. You don't have to hide it in your bag like that, sir. Travis is trying to like pry bar off the uh, the the safe in the. Uh, <laughs> In the closet to take it home. <laughs> he's he's wearing the bathrobe under his clothes trying to walk out. <laughs> so that bathrobe's $86. <laughs> what bathrobe? Wearing a towel like a cape. <laughs> um, These are so- not things that I've tried to do in any way, shape, form, or fashion. <laughs> On November 14th, uh, Travis would skip a polygraph interview with police. But that night, um, in the presence of National Enquirer reporters, uh, a doctor associated with a UFO group had a two-hour conversation with uh, Travis while he was hypnotized about the incident. Oh. Oh. Thicker than your average. What? What? (laughs) (laughs) On on the next day, November 15th, uh, Travis was interviewed by Jack McCarthy, a freelance polygraph examiner arranged by UFO Group and the Inquirer. Uh, McCarthy concluded that Travis was engaged in a quote-unquote gross deception and had even been intentionally holding his breath in an attempt to quote-unquote beat the machine. How does holding your breath help? I assume because it's based on your um, your pulse. I, trying to make himself pass out? I... <laughs> Well, I guess, like, make it not register as much. What I have heard in the past about these things is, like, people will attempt to beat them by putting, like, a small thumbtack in their shoe. And they'll, like, intentionally stab themselves in the toe to, like, increase their heart rate like that. To totally throw it off. But I don't know how holding your breath would do it. Lie detector? Yeah. Apparently you can, like, just clench your butt and you can beat it. Yeah, because the reason why that works is because you're committing a, um... When you clench your butt, you're doing like a Valsalva kind of maneuver. Yeah, that's like, yeah. So you're, you're trying to basically vasovagal at that. Yeah, point. exactly. You're at, you're agitating the vagus nerve, which can affect sinus rhythm, which can lower your heart rate. Um, it's actually something they teach people who have panic attacks. You know, the dive response. You turn the cold water on in the faucet, and you shove your face into it really fast and hold it there for a little, like two or three seconds. You can lower your heart rate by like twenty beats per minute instantly. 
So if you're we try to get attack. people to do that. We try to get people to do that. We used to try to do it on the ambulance. We now try to do it in the ER. People come in and they're like, "Oh, my heart's kind of beating fast." Yeah, come up and it's like 180. Cold. You're like, "Holy shit!" <laughs> Cold water now. <laughs> shit. <laughs> no, not even. So we'll, we'll take a syringe and we'll basically like open it up, like pull it off, and kind of like re- just make it so it's a little bit easier. But give it to him. We're like, "Hey, I want you to blow this out. Just take and give him like the yeah the syringe side yeah and blow hard as you can and what it does it forces you to kind of do that valsalva maneuver without really thinking about what you're doing yeah and you try for to blow th- into there for those of us who don't know what a valsalva is it's taking a shit all right <laughs> yeah that's why you, your grandfather you know died on the toilet because he's <laughs> constipated and he's trying to bear down and shit and then he died <laughs> i'll be hey, out in a minute <laughs> These goddamn Christmas cookies. <laughs> or he passed out and he hit his head on something and he bled out in the bathroom. Yeah, yeah, that's a common one, unfortunately. I hate it. Um, on November twenty second, <laughs> Travis really brought the uh, mood down there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but if it's listen, but if for my Steve, money, Travis like, is definitely into flexing. It too. He's just Travis like, is oh. flexing his butthole right now. Yeah, doing this. Uh, doing. <laughs> Polygraph. He's oh no, everyone looks like he's flexing his butthole. He's he's sitting there furiously flexing his asshole while he's being questioned. <laughs> <laughs> he's got like lemon lips where he's just. <laughs> he's, Fucking he's lie detectors doing... are not accurate anyway. The whole, the whole system's a joke. Yeah, it's all pseudoscience. Yeah, but he's he's just doing somehow kegels as a man. Yeah. You can do. <laughs> there are male, the male kegels. No, yeah. there are male kegels. Yeah, that is the male kegels. Yeah. Is you squeeze your butthole. You kind of do it, well, you kind of, um, you kind of do it, like, where you're focusing more on your, uh, um, okay, prostate area. Okay, the muscle area. that you flex, the muscle that you flex is the one that you realize, is the one that you flex when you realize you're pissing the bed after you've been yeah. drinking for 13 hours. Yeah, it's, it's, And you have to, like, you have to stop real quick because you're it's actually you realize you start pissing. That yeah, it's, it's difficult to do it. I, I had to do it for a while. Because I yeah, got it. Milk Eagles. Yeah, because I got one of those um, um, cystoscopies done just to get it all checked out. <laughs> yeah. And it was the most fucking excruciating experience ever. You know, they were supposed Oof. to like numb you up or whatever. Dude, they didn't put you to you, sleep. You can't numb anybody up for that. No, they, they can't. They can't put you to sleep for it because you um, you have to do certain things like during the tests. Like you have to like hold your oh. breath or push. It was crazy too, because like they got that wire snaked up your, uh, you know, your your yeah. little number two there, yeah, and yeah. Uh, and then they fill your bladder with liquid, like with you know that you have to pee out to see how it expands, and make what? sure that it's make sure that it's working properly, and, and you're watching it on the screen like you're in what? front of you. There's like what? a yeah, it's fucking ridiculous, dude. No, I couldn't do that. And then no. I was done, and I had to pee, and I kept telling the nurse, she's like, "You're almost ready to go. You can almost go." I'm like, "Lady, I got to fucking piss, piss <laughs> right now. Like, Lady, get the I'm fuck ready. out. Like, leave me, leave the gurney. I'll just fucking pee here." I I was I you know, ever been like on a car ride where you have to go really bad and you're just oh, fucking yeah. praying that yeah. Denny's will show up. Yeah. Oh my god. It's like the only time you're praying or McDonald's. for McDonald's. Yeah, I'll pray yeah. praying for Denny's or McDonald's. Those are so normally that, clean bathrooms, you know. So that muscle that you furiously clench to not piss yourself, that's the male Kegel's muscle. Yeah. On November twenty second, Travis. <laughs> Back <would> to Travis. <laughs> anyway, Back Travis. To Travis Travis doing Kegels in the delegation room. <laughs> that fucking chain of of conversation. Good lord. 
Travis would appear on the Phoenix television station KOOL, uh, where he uh, was interviewed about the incident. Why didn't cool. you just call it one hundred? Cool. <laughs> fucking Joe Spe- Camel. Spelled like the fucking cigarettes. Cool. K O O L. Yeah, exactly. Dude, cool but... sucks too, man. Yeah, it's I, awful. Oh, they were awful cigarettes. I Ugh. I told you about when I was in Japan and I saw a vending machine for cigarettes and it was a cool oh. cigarettes oh. vending machine. It was no. like like a dozen varieties of like cool cigarettes cool are like um great value newports that's what they are <laughs> the last time i saw cools being sold right next to cools was uh like non-mentholated newports with the red packaging oh those are the oh my god those there are like that smoke, lets you that's know like how bad that's like was. if you went to a bowling alley <laughs> and you like right in front of like the sports bar tv you know thing like right in right in the middle of the yeah. lanes yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah like one of those and, and they just took pieces of the carpet, and then they just ground that up and had you smoke that with tobacco. That's exactly <laughs> what it would The fucking bowling alley ashes. Yeah. Carpet ashes. Fucking Non-mentalated Newport is a war crime, honestly. Yeah. You smoke those, Steve, you're going to go on a vision quest. There's only two, like, the the best, the best in is your, in uh, the In your vision light, quest, going to be a... It's going to be a Mortal Kombat 3 cabinet, and it's going to be at that vision quest. <laughs> that's, what Tra- that's what Travis Walton smokes. <laughs> Uh, Marvel um, lights, yeah. Uh, but during the incident, um, or the interview about the incident, Travis would claim that he lost consciousness when struck by a beam of light. Um, he says that when the light hit him, he felt a numbing shock and then blacked out. Blinded by the light. <laughs> um, the next thing that he claimed that he experienced was waking up lying flat in an oddly shaped room. Um, he says when he opened his eyes, he noticed that there were three humanoid creatures standing over him. Tray of shit. He recalled that there was a strange device placed over his chest, uh, holding him down to the table. Um, being startled by this, uh, Travis got up, grabbed the object to defend himself um, from he the odd creatures. He was startled by the thing holding him down to the table, so he just got up? How did he get past the thing holding him down? Well, he, I guess he, like, overpowered the, the thing. Oh, he overpowered um, this alien being? Okay. Yeah. He he over he overpowered this piece of equi- uh, equipment. Yeah. Um, he waved it around in an attempt to threaten them, um, and he describes that the creatures, um, who he described as being around four to five feet tall, with pale skin and enlarged heads. Huh. And enlarged Sounds brown a lot eyes. like the whites. <laughs> <laughs> and uh and having large brown eyes and wearing orange jumpsuits that they left the room soon after he started fighting back against them yeah it's just describing mormons i mean yeah but he not was like, being not he's like, missing not the foot being soldiers. forcibly baptized yeah not the foot soldiers we're talking weekend mormons you know <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I'm here. I'm Mormon. Seven days a week, yeah. eight to five. You, you're a Saturday guy. Okay? <laughs> you're like a here. Saturday, Sunday type motherfucker. Huh? I, I hustle daily. <laughs> I'm knocking on doors. I'm wearing my little bike helmet. What are you doing? Nothing. It's gonna come uh, out that Mitt Romney was one of the uh, one of the beings that attempted to gang probe <laughs> Travis Walton. Yeah, I became Mormon because it was easy to get myself into the group. I'm an alien. <laughs> Um, once those three creatures left the room, uh, Travis would walk around the, the alien spacecraft. 
Um, he said that uh, soon after uh, wandering, he found himself in a room that resembled a planetarium. It was then that two more human-looking beings in blue jumpsuits approached him and transported him elsewhere. <laughs> what the fuck is this? Fucking Among Us? Um, he believes that he was transported out of the scout ship uh, he was in oh, and taken a, to another craft. It's a scout ship now. What, what, what the fuck is this? The taxonomy what? of naval vessels? What the hell's going on here? What well, he was previously in a Corvette. Shit. He was on a Corvette. <laughs> he was previously yeah. in a Corvette, and now he was taken into a destroyer. <laughs> and and you better believe that after that, he went into a frigate. You just sounded, that the way you delivered that better believe sounded like that Rick and Morty episode. <laughs> Two brothers, and you better believe... <laughs> that they're going to get it done. Because they always get it done. (laughs) Um, It was soon after being ushered into this new craft um, that he remembers that the beings placed a mask-like device over his face, which caused him to black out, and then he remembers very little after that. That's why I won't wear no mask during COVID. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Is this gas? (laughs) No. No, that's not gas. Just put it on. Okay. Alien's going to put a mask on him. He's like, I ain't wearing no face diaper. Yeah. I'm wearing, I survived aliens. COVID. I can't even be affected. You know, the alien just asked me, like, does this smell like chloroform? And then I smelt it. Then I got knocked out. I <laughs> hey, does this smell like chloroform to you? Yeah. <laughs> just out. Um, he said that he remembers uh, very little uh, after that, um, and then he eventually found himself walking along a highway five days later um, after the uh, after he claims the flying saucer uh, left him there. Like they do. Um, in the days following the UFO claims, the National Enquirer awarded Walton and his co-workers a $5,000 prize for, quote-unquote, the best UFO case of the year, um, after they were said to have passed polygraph tests administered by the Inquirer and the Aerial Phenomena Research Organization, also known as APRO. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, a ufologist, Jim Ledwith, said, for five days the authorities thought he'd been murdered by his co-workers and then he was returned. Um, he also said, all of the co-workers who were there who saw the spacecraft, they all took polygraph tests and they all passed, except for one. And that one was inconclusive. Um, skeptics would argue that this story is an example of a UFO hoax promoted by a credulous media circus with the resulting publicity exploited by uh, Travis Walton in order to make money. That's um, that's the far more likely scenario here. Yeah. Uh, the UFO The UFO researcher uh, Philip J. Klass, uh, who argued that Walton's story was a hoax perpetrated for financial gain, identified many discrepancies in the accounts of Walton and his co-workers. Um, After investigating the case, um, Klass reported that the polygraph tests were poorly administered and that Walton used polygraph countermeasures such as holding his breath and that Klass uncovered an earlier failed test administered by an examiner who concluded the case involved, quote-unquote, gross deception. This this deception's disgusting. It's gross. In 1978, uh, Travis would uh, write a book about his experience detailing his claims. Um, In 1993, uh, the book 
uh, would be the inspiration for the film Fire in the Sky, which starred, which starred uh, <laughs> Robert Patrick as Mike Rogers, D.B. Sweeney as Travis Walton, Craig Sheffer as Alan Alan Dulles. Um, <laughs> he's going Peter- <laughs> to read the whole cast. <laughs> See, I gotta read the whole IMDb page. That's how it goes. All right, do this. I'm never gonna get this. I'm almost done. I'm on the key grips. All right. Is this the same? Is this the same Robert Patrick from Terminator Two? Yes, the Ah! the one and only. He's great. All right. That is that is one of the most notable things about the movie when you watch it. Is like, it's like yeah, that's that's fucking Robert Patrick. That's the guy from Terminator, bro. (laughs) Yeah, he was also in a lot of other bad movies because he was also in uh, Double Dragon. As the bad guy, I feel like he got typecast real bad because of that. Probably because of Terminator, he got typecast real bad. Yeah, like, yeah. Bad guy. He just died. Wait, what? Yeah, the guy from Terminator Two. Robert Patrick died. I think so. Isn't he? Nah, he's oh. still alive. Nah, he died, man. Super COVID. He's still alive. Yeah, he's still good. God, don't scare me. He, oh no, he, he's not. He's not. He's just. He's gonna die because. He's facing Reacher this time, and uh, yeah, yeah, he's fighting. He's fighting Reacher. I, I was yeah. gonna say he was just on Reacher. <laughs> he just looks very racist now. He's all right. He's a good man. <laughs> like, like we're gonna cast somebody. Like, I need a bad guy who's also racist. It's like, oh, <laughs> I got, go. I got just the guy. For I got just the cat. He's gonna be great. <laughs> You want Adam Carolla or you want Robert Patrick? <laughs> <laughs> Carolla's, yeah, Carolla's a sneaky racist, you know. No, we don't want an actual racist. We want, <laughs> we want, we want a guy who's not actually racist to portray him. You know, it's just like, you know, like Colonel Quink and Sergeant Schultz were like people who survived like concentration camps uh-huh. and the Holocaust. Like we want, we, we want people to like take down these people. That's why we want Robert Patrick to be. To, to portray the racist. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, Travis Walton would also appear in the film, um, but Paramount Pictures decided that his account was, quote-unquote, too fuzzy and too similar to other televised close encounters. Um, so they uh, ordered the screenwriter, uh, Tracy Torme, uh, to write, quote-unquote, a flashier, more provocative abduction story. Make it sexy. <laughs> <laughs> it's oh, not doing it for me. Make it sexy. There's um, a fire the opening... in the sky. I feel like that's the problem is if they're sitting there trying to like make it into something that it wasn't. Right. You know I mean, like you, you, you ruin the legitimacy of of what was already kind of hanging on by a thread as it is. Yeah. I mean, it's still better than uh, the the communion film. The communion. My communion film from when I was in second grade, <laughs> bro. Mine with uh, Whitley, yeah, uh, Whitley Strieber. Because you know what I did is I st- I took like ten of those fucking hosts and I just stacked them and took a big <laughs> crunchy bite right in fucking line. Like instead of taking it, you know, they put the patent under your th- your neck and they're just here's your yeah. here's your body of Christ. I just reached in the bowl. And just, just grabbed ten of them, stacked them up, took a big crunch out of them, like I was some overweight basketball player, and uh, <laughs> it was just like, yeah, it was it was ridiculous. 
I was just waving at my mom the entire time <laughs> as she sat there with the video camera like on her shoulder. She, you were high like, as she shit. She was a cameraman on like Maury. <laughs> on her shoulder? What is she like? A fucking Mad Max bike? A bike, no. bike girl? Well, I was like, Ryan, you gotta finish it. My neck's gonna be destroyed by the end of this. <laughs> you don't remember I bought like, the neck mount. It came with the neck mount. We're gonna you use the neck mount. video cameras in like the early 90s, bro? Yeah, bro. I remember. They're like, like fucking howitzers. Jerry Springer. <laughs> it was like you were fucking setting off an RPG every time you loaded up the fucking goddamn camera. <laughs> I'm sitting there waving the whole time. I just didn't pay attention to a thing the father was saying the entire time. <laughs> oh my god. Um, so, on the opening day of the film, on March 12th, 1993, uh, Walton and Mike Rogers, the uh, the logging crew leader, uh, appeared on Larry King Live, uh, which also featured uh, the UFO investigator Philip J. Glass, in order to talk about their experiences. Okay. Philip Glass. Uh, Wal- <laughs> uh, Walton uh, would also uh, occasionally appear at UFO conventions uh, or on television. Um, and he also has his own UFO conference in Arizona called the Skyfire Summit. Uh, Travis would also appear on the Fox game show The Moment of Truth in 2008. Um, and on January 19th, 2021, he appeared on episode uh, 1597 of the Joe Rogan Experience podcast to talk about his experiences with one Joe Rogan. Wow. Oh, man, friend of the pod. <laughs> on August 25th, 2023... <laughs> He appeared on the fifth uh, fifth episode of the third season of How To with John Wilson titled How to Watch Birds. I'm, what? I'm sorry, what? How to Watch Birds? Yeah. What? Okay. Um, on uh, March 19th, 2021, uh, Mike Rogers posted a statement to his Facebook page announcing, I, Michael H. Rogers, being of sound and rational mind, do hereby give notice that I am no longer to be considered a witness to Travis C. Walton's supposed abduction of November 5th, 1975. And furthermore, Facebook and its entities are not authorized to use my posts or my photos in any fashion. <laughs> if you hold down your thumb on this post, it will prevent Facebook. If you type at taking... highlight, it'll turn blue if people are watching your page. Listen to me. If one more fucking person tags me in that at highlight stupid fucking thing, I'm going to lose my goddamn mind. Uh, Rogers would later clarify Travis tried to keep a new remake of the movie a secret from me he has always had his big secrets that he has kept from me it angered me I tried over the last two weeks uh, to reason with him but to no avail I don't believe Travis is an honest person and therefore I want nothing to do with him on April 30th Rogers uh, placed a call to uh, producer Ryan Gordon who was working on a new film about the Walton incident. Uh, Gordon recorded the call without Rogers' knowledge, as permitted by Arizona law. Uh, two months later, on July 4th, Gordon publicly posted audio from the call, which featured Rogers explaining, We were talking in the woods one day. We were talking about creating a UFO hoax, okay? I don't know the UFO got. I, I don't know how the UFO got there, but I remember when I was driving the truck and he jumped out, it was all deliberate. It was all a staged thing, okay? He ran out there, and there was something about the UFO not being real, although it looked real. Hmm. Uh, Rogers and Walton later reconciled, and Rogers issued a statement retracting 
his uh, alleged quote-unquote confession. Um, Mike Rogers, uh, it, it should also be noted that uh, the group were known as sort of uh, being uh, pranksters as well as being interested in UFOs beforehand. Um, Mike Rogers and Waltons were known for their interest in UFOs. One member of the logging crew recalled Mike Rogers and Travis Walton arguing about how UFOs can fly. Uh, Rogers later acknowledged that he had watched, quote-unquote, the first part of the recent television special that dramatized the Barney Hill alien abduction case, while the Waltons acknowledged prior discussion wanting to be taken aboard a UFO. Okay. Okay. Um, one of their uh, neighbors as well uh, recalled being a target of multiple pranks by them as well. Uh, within four months of the incident, uh, the UFO author... Dennis the Menaces. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go back Just... to the beginning of this fucking episode and I'm going to change that. To, yes, I now I do hear Benny Hill theme whenever I hear fucking Travis Walton. <laughs> Um, four months, um, within four months of the incident, UFO author chasing him around, like trying to, <laughs> trying to probe him. Yeah. With the, uh, the, the probe stick. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that the UFO author Raymond E. Fowler himself, a believer in UFOs and abduction proposed that the members of the logging crew had been the victim of a hoax perpetrated by others in the crew. Um, uh, other UFO authors, such as Class, argue that Travis Walton and Mike Rogers planned the incident. As early as 1978, uh, logging crew member Steve Pierce expressed suspicion that the incident had been a hoax. Um, Pierce noted that on the day of the incident, Rogers made the crew stay past dark, whereas they usually ended work at 4 o'clock p.m. It was fucking November. Uh, it was dark at 4 p.m. anyway. <laughs> um, Pierce recalled that Walton did not work at all during the day of the incident, and said he slept in a truck while claiming to be ill from, quote-unquote, from carousing too much. What, is, what does carousing mean? It's like, like, essentially, like, short talk for, like, drinking and partying. Gotcha. Like, what you're doing right now. Like, when you... <laughs> Shit, I'm carousing. <laughs> Fuck, I'm guilty. Always, always be carousing, ABC. <laughs> <laughs> Um, You're just a weekend guy. I carouse seven days a week. (laughs) Amateur. He's a Saturday, Sunday motherfucker. That sounds like something Joey Diaz would say, you know? Dog, you're just a Saturday, Sunday motherfucker. All right. I'm out there seven days a week. Cocaine book. You know Joe Rogan, but back in the day, we always used to carouse every day of the week. He's the only member of the Roganverse I still listen to sometimes because he's hilarious. He's still hilarious no matter what. Just his life story. It's just every episode turns into the exact same theme. There's never anything problematic. It's just like ridiculous he's just comedy. Just talking my, shit. Yeah. My, oh, I gotta go. I one gotta of my favorite of stories hand. of his <laughs> fucking was how he responding. Uh, <laughs> how, how he stole from somebody in the snow. And there were there were tracks from his boots in the snow from where he, <laughs> where he, went. Where he stole back back idiot. to his own home. What an idiot! Um, uh, he also reported on that day that Mike Rogers disappeared from the work site for two hours. Huh. Um, it's also been uh, mentioned that the uh, National Enquirer misinterpreted the polygraph results that they obtained. Um, authors, including Mike Shermer and Philip Glass, 
Note that the National Enquirer tabloid publicized the opinion of a private polygraph examiner who reported the witnesses as being truthful. It omitted all mention of Walton's prior polygraph examiner uh, of Walton's prior polygraph examiner who concluded Walton was being grossly deceptive. Uh, they further note that while law enforcement had conducted a polygraph examination of the logging crew during their missing, uh, missing persons investigation into Walton's disappearance, the objective of the investigation was to determine whether the crew had killed Walton, not to investigate whether or not a UFO was involved. Ah, so it comes uh, down to the questions you ask. Um, so they only asked four questions. Uh, three were about violence against Walton, one asking if an unusual object was observed. Um, a science writer and skeptic, Michael Shermer, uh, would say of this, I think the polygraph yeah. is not a reliable determiner of truth. I think Travis Walton was not abducted by aliens. In both cases, the power of deception and self-deception is all we need to understand what really happened in 1975 and after. I mean, that's like the mildest take you could ever have right there. Yeah, well, he's he's the, like the, much, yeah. he's a professional skeptic who would go on and debate on um, uh, Coast to Coast AM and shit. Michael Schreiber. Yeah, he used to do that back yeah. in the day. But, I mean, I feel like what he is saying here is entirely reasonable where the polygraph is not, like, the end-all, be-all, and that Travis Walton is a fucking liar. <laughs> fucking goddamn jabroni. <laughs> <laughs> Travis the jabroni Walton. Um... This is also uh, comes into interest because right after this, uh, we enter into sort of like the golden age of alien abduction stories and also what's referred to as alien abduction syndrome. The golden um, age. Here we go. This is the good shit. Be- because in the uh, 1980s, um, reports of alien abductions become more widespread and they were also promoted by authors such as Bud Hopkins, Johnny Mack, and Whitley Strieber. So let me ask you something then. Wait, do you when these when these do because they're I mean all right, I would love to believe that they're telling the truth, but they're obviously all probably greatly greatly exaggerating anything that happened at, at best, lying outright at worst, right? When they lay down their heads at night and they have to think about the fact that their just entire persona publicly is based on a lie, like do you think that that affects them or are these guys just so sociopathic <laughs> that they don't care? I think they're just completely diluted out. Or do you think they're yeah. just huffing their own farts for so long that they actually believe that it did happen? To I them? think that is 100% possible. Interesting. People convince themselves of dumber things, you know? Yeah. Without even thinking about it. Yeah. Donald Trump's yeah. smart, you know? Things like that. Donald J. Trump, the J stands for genius. <laughs> All right, so. <laughs> All right, let's let's hear about these these fucking goddamn three stooges then. Um, generally, with alien abduction, um, it's generally uh, attributed to uh, multiple uh, sort of trends uh, that correspond with each other. A folklorist, Thomas E. Uh, Bullard, uh, notes that stories of alien abduction are very uh, fairly consistent with um, uh, sort of stories of being abducted by the Fey. In, in sort of like yeah. older mythology and older folklore. Right. Um, and they also, and scholars of alien abduction also uh, suggest their elements of sleep paralysis were also false memory syndrome. Also, Travis Walton might have just taken uh, too much Ambien. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Yo, you're sleepwalking, dog. You took too much. You took too much Benadryl and took a trip with the Hat Man. (laughs) Uh, Yes, can I have some dihydramine, please? I love how Roseanne was like, "I was grossly racist." Oh, it was the Ambien. Like, bitch, what? (laughs) She is just such a piece of work, man. People can drive their cars, cook breakfast, visit relatives on Ambien, but like just being vehemently racist is not something I've ever heard of. There, uh, Rosie, try again. Yeah, it's on the label. You know, if you take this, you might drop some some hard ends. That's the black box warning. Hard R's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it should be noted that Travis Walton did not report any sort of paralysis. Um. And um, none of uh, sort of his recovered memories or other elements of a um, quote unquote alien abduction narrative um, uh, in, in his story sort of match up with later ones, which is also noted by the screenwriter of Fire in the Sky, uh, Tracy Torme, uh, in which they opined, I don't think that tra- the Travis case is an abduction case. It doesn't fit any of the other patterns as in the cases that were explored in Bud Hopkins' book, Intruders. Uh, So many witnesses gone for five days, so I think all those things break the mold and make this case unique. Why would they need him for five days anyway? Um, And, you know, they got to do some deep probing. I'm just saying, he doesn't seem like the kind of guy who's a very deep or intellectual guy. I feel like they could kind of like run through him top to bottom, inside and outside, in probably about 36 hours. They could kick him back. You know, out. they gotta they gotta make him run on the treadmill. They gotta make him put the shapes in the box. They gotta make him- all I can hear is the Rocky theme with a montage behind him running on a treadmill with a little oxygen mask in there. <laughs> like inspiring music in the background. He's like in the alien gym on the spaceship, like hitting the heavy bag. <laughs> Someday love will find you. They, they, they try to give him the spankological protocol from the Simpsons. <laughs> but it didn't take, just didn't take. Uh, uh, never talk, never talk. Uh, never talk. <laughs> There was just an older, frail alien who's just like, when I'm done with you, kid, you're going to be a very dangerous person. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. (laughs) And uh, Class would also note that in um, in 1975, a a UFO abduction mold or, or sort of model for like what we consider to be a UFO abduction today didn't really exist then. Um, because back then, uh, you really only have the Betty and Barney Hill story, and then the most notable story afterwards is the Fire in the Sky story. Um, so when you look at that, um, you have to consider that, you know, uh, and generally too, I was one thing I found interesting because one of the problems I have with the UFO community is that they often like, carry water for like the most ridiculous of people and the most ridiculous of stories for no reason but, at all like it, it yeah it gains them fucking nothing and they've been doing it forever i think it's that my team your team thing and it's, they can't it, well, it, when some ufo stories sound absolutely fucking insane well well there's also the stuff with like majestic like majestic 12 which has been proven to be like like most definitely like fake 
Like, like it's very obviously fake. Like nothing about it adds up. Like when you actually look at how government documents were done during that time period and afterwards, right. like none of it makes sense. Um, but but these um, but there's these big uh, ufologists who still like support the story and still act like it's real. Um, and, and it's just one of those things. But the most interesting thing is that uh, Travis Walton uh, apparently today is like completely discounted. Like every, like the majority of the ufology community believes it to be fake. Uh, probably the majority of everybody in the world believes it to be fake. Even he knows it's fake. Like nobody believes it anymore. He should literally just come out and be like, "Hey guys, I was just hey guys, remember that <laughs> thing you made the movie about? That didn't happen. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> fools. What JFK? <laughs> Yeah, he's gonna wait. It didn't even. He's happen. gonna wait. He's gonna wait until they remake it, and then he's gonna be like, "Oh yeah, by the way, I made it all up. I made it up, <laughs> and it just goes to show you, you know." As he drives away in a limo, and like a, a shower of like of like dollars like fly out of the limo <laughs> as he drives away. Yeah, he's like National Enquirer. Give me another five thousand dollars, and I'll give you the real story. <laughs> So do we know what happened? Like, do we do we have like a plausible explanation for like? Did he run off in the woods and just hide for a couple days? Like, what? I think the most uh, the most likely result or the most likely answer is that he probably faked it in some way that he hid out somewhere and then eventually found his way back to civilization. It's kind of like Frank and- Dukes from uh, from uh, Kickboxer. <laughs> Yeah, oh, yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah. That, that he went off into the woods and he came back with the trophy that said <laughs> number one alien abductee. <laughs> God damn it. Oh, man. Have you ever watched those, like, the Frank Dukes uh, movies? I've seen bits and pieces of them. I haven't actually sat down to watch them. Oh, man. You got to watch Bloodsport. It's one of the best movies ever made. That's it. Oh, Blood is that a Frank Dukes? Not yeah, I've seen Bloodsport. Yeah. I've seen Bloodsport. Yeah, he's supposed to be Frank Dukes it, in that. It's so stupid. Yeah, because at the end, it says about how like Frank Dukes has story. like the most most consecutive knockouts. And, like, yeah. The fastest knockout in the Kumite or yeah. whatever. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. <laughs> it's the dumbest thing ever filmed. Uh, Travis Walton fastest abduction. Yeah, <laughs> that is Jean Claude Van Damme. Don't ever, ever insult anything he's done by saying knockouts in five seconds, thirty. <laughs> well, uh, JVD also has like one of his all-time best scenes where he's up on top of that hill, at, on like just like doing the splits on top of those two statues and just like doing like katas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like time cop. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. I think that was John Claude Van Damme in Time Cop, where he jumped up and did a split on like a yeah, counter, and, the, and, like and the other guy counter. got electrocuted. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> action movies in the '90s were so fucking outrageous. It's not even funny. Mm-hmm. Well, there's that uh, double impact where he and his twin, who they're both raised in like two different locations, but they both have the same like shitty like Belgian accent. And, uh, like, one of them is raised in the United States, and he still has, like, that Belgian accent. He's from, like, and, Detroit. But but that's the one where the scene where he says, like, I can do the splits, no problem. And, like, all these all these thirsty women are, like, watching him who are in his, like, aerobics class. They're just like, ooh, boy, he can do a split. That makes me hot under the collar for reasons, because this is a 90s movie. Well, um, speaking of the splits, um, that's the story of one Travis Walton 
and his abduction. <laughs> Yo, I just, you just made me think of this, like, <laughs> speaking of the splits, like, we're about to end or whatever, but, uh, there's this fucking, um, you know the George Bush thing from 9-11 when the guy's, like, whispering in his ear? When he was yeah, but another point, uh, another plane hit a tower or whatever. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck he said, but he, I have uh, I have this meme where it's just the guy going in and it just says, "Yo, dog, we can bounce if you want," you know. Oh my god! That's the energy. That I got. Yeah, I will send. It. I will. It was from. It was, it was on something awful. Oh my god! It's perfect. Oh my god! Apparently, apparently, yeah, the story of that, like, I mean. like, 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 why, why it pops up in memes is that it was like the second update he got while he was reading that like children's book to the kids. Yeah, and it was just like they came and told him like a, a plane hit the like one of the World Trade Center mm-hmm. towers, and then the uh, then the next one was like another plane is hit. That, that's why it's always like like sir, another something is dropped. Oh, okay. And then if you actually watch that whole because it was televised, the whole thing was yeah, it was on C-SPAN at that school. It, you can see like he just kind of sits there for a minute and just does that thousand yard stare where he's like, oh. <laughs> Fuck! <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Shit! <laughs> it's he. You can tell it's a good like three or four seconds where he is just locked in. He is waiting for the other shoe to drop, and I think that's when the Secret Service is finally kind of just like, uh, we're just gonna take him out of here now because uh, he needs to get away from these children before this actually kicks in. He realizes what we just told him. Oh no! What do you, what do you mean, Dick Cheney's already been secured? <laughs> You mean Dick Cheney's up in Air Force One, what? <laughs> uh. On that note, gentlemen. All right, good night. <laughs> <Hold on. laughs> Later. Later.